eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With the Scudetto and AC Milan's hands, the other two-thirds of Italy's big three square off, looking for Calcio's other major piece of hardware, the Coppa Italia. In one corner, a Juventus side looking to correct the narrative around the disappointing league campaign. And in the other... An Inter Milan side looking to secure at least one trophy as its Serie A title hopes appear to be fading away. I've got Jonathan Johnson and Dre Cordero returns to break it all down. The Kegolasso Coppa Italia final preview begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso, Kego Lasso Pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Welcome to our Coppa Italia final preview, which you can watch exclusively on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports, of course. Jonathan Johnson, how are you, buddy? Hey, doing very well, thanks. And yourself? Look, the hat's back again. I'm not I'm not going to take it off until Vans come and offer me some like light blue pastel-colored uh, shoes for the summer. You stick to those guns, Jonathan Johnson. <laughs> I'm wearing the snapback, too. And we got an Inter-Miami snapback, and Dre Cordero returns. Dre, how are you, buddy? I'm good. It's a fitted, though. We got a little slight correction. It's a fitted. We got uh, U.S. Open Cup for Inter Miami today, so a little represent uh, men in hats on the podcast. I love it. Fitted caps are also welcome here, of course. But welcome, Dre Cordero. Welcome, Jonathan Johnson. Welcome, everybody. Please subscribe. Please share as we have our Coppa Italia preview. Serie A is winding down, and obviously part of that narrative is the Coppa Italia, which you can watch exclusively on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports of course, Juventus against Inter Milan on Wednesday. Drake Cordero will be there as well as the entire CBS Sports team as well. All right, let me just set this off straight away. Okay, Drake Cordero and JJ, please jump in. But Dre, who needs this more? Yeah, as long as we don't ask who wants it more, right? Like we, we could do like some pukey sports cliches, but not all the pukey sports cliches. So in terms of who needs it more, I actually have zero doubts that it's uh, Juve. Inter Scudetto from last season still has credit. Uh, Inter are, are taking their title defense down to the very last round of the season against Milan. Uh, they're not uh, in any way out of it. They've already won a trophy this season. They beat Juventus with that last-minute Alexis Sanchez, 121st-minute game winner in the Supercoppa d'Italia. And so, without a doubt, it's Juventus who needed more because we're comparing uh, Allegri's Juve to Pirlo's Juve, right? And at the beginning of the season, they thought, well, Allegri's back because Juve are going to rediscover their DNA. Well, they're going to finish the season guaranteed with fewer points and fewer trophies in Pirlo's Juve last season. And so, for that reason, this is as much of a must-win as Juventus have. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that this is huge for Juventus because I think many people feel a bit more positively about Juve now than they did at sort of the midway point of the season because quite a bit has happened since then. You know, they signed Vlaovic, their form has improved, so they're sort of up there much higher than they were at the beginning of the campaign. And a trophy now, I think, would paper over quite a few of the cracks which we saw exposed during the first half of that campaign. So I'm, I agree with you. I'm in no doubt that, that Juve absolutely need this. And I think that when people sort of take a step back and, and analyze the rest of the season, I still think that the post-mortem of Juve's campaign is, is going to be quite damning regardless. Well, I'm glad that both of you said Juventus because that's exactly where we begin as we analyze and preview this game. In terms of Max Allegri, and the way that he'll approach this game. How do you feel, Dre, he will approach it? Obviously, Max is not exactly known for experimenting a lot with formations and strategy, but how do you think he'll do this against Inter Milan? Yeah, I mean, he'll change shapes and, and, and different, you know, try different systems here and there. But what he won't change is sort of the principles of play that, that Juventus play with. And that's always going to be sort of uh, defensive first. Now, not from the very not from the very start. Like people have this concept of um, of Catenaccio as like defending from the opening whistle and having 10 guys hanging off the crossbar. No, you they go after it early on, especially with guys like Vlahovic, Morata, Dybala. It's once they they take that one nil lead where they really tend to, to to close things up at the back. And I think to their detriment, instead of going out and chasing an insurance goal to, to go up 2-0, um, they're just trying to sort of defend that 1-0. So I expect for Juve to be aggressive at the start. Um, I, I expect them to to try and play in the opposition's half um, at the beginning of the game. Uh, but if they do take the lead, then it's just as predictable as anything. Um, Allegri likes to get his team to sit back two lines of four um, and try and hold on to that lead, which you know sometimes works. And, and for Juventus, for many years, worked to the tune of many, many Coppa Italia and Serie A trophies. Um, it's not necessarily uh, getting the job done this year. Yeah, he's not exactly known as a swashbuckling Max Allegri, but uh, I mean, I think there's an added importance to uh, to this game for Juve as well. Uh, you know that. There is a real need to win, like I said earlier, because it you know it probably will be their only trophy success this season. But also, uh, you know, I think as well it's going to be a farewell for guys like Chiellini as well. So you know, it's a chance for them to sign off with some semblance of success, despite the fact that this Juve side remains uh, a work in progress. I mean, I think it's going to take until some point next season probably sort of like from the second quarter onwards to really start seeing the best of Vlaovic, uh, you know, as Juve try and work out exactly the best way to sort of build around him and get him the kind of service that he needs to thrive in the same way that we've seen uh, at, at Fiorentina. Uh, and I'm curious as well, what happens this summer with Dybala? You know, he's been linked with Inter as well. You know, is there going to be a little bit of needle starting there? Uh, you know, is this going to be his final game? Maybe his final contribution for Juve is to get one over uh, on Inter before he makes that switch this summer. Dre, let me ask you something, because uh, Jonathan Johnson uh, spoke of two players, which I was very happy he brought them in because it was the segue that I wanted to continue. And one of them was Dusan Vlaovic. He was sobbed off uh, against uh, that loss uh, against Genoa. He didn't look happy, but then Max Allegri said it was more he wasn't happy at his performance instead of the fact that he was sobbed off. And he said, Max Allegri said, actually, technically speaking, it was his best game or one of his best games, etc. What do you make of... Uh, Dusan Vlavic towards, I guess now, I mean, I'm reading a few other things as well that a goals per ratio like are better actually under Juventus than they were in Fiorentina. But do you think, do you have Dusan Vlavic right now playing with Juventus what you expected when he joined in January? 
It's, it's a still a fairly small sample size, right? We're talking about mm-hmm. 13 Serie A games that, that he's played, six goals. It's not a bad haul. It's not as if like he's gone in this you know 10-game goal drought uh, and what's wrong with Dusan Vlahovic. The thing is, the, the first half of the season when he was at Fiorentina, he was lighting it up almost to the tune of a goal per game. Uh, it's, honestly, his numbers were like Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi-esque the first half of the year with Fiorentina, who, by the way, have a very different style, who play much closer to the opposition's goal, who press much more and more effectively than Juventus does, who will attack whether they're up 2-0 or down 3-0. Um, and so all of these things are going to sort of play into how many chances Vlahovic is getting, whether he's creating them for himself, whether his teammates are creating them for him. Um, so I'm not I'm not extremely concerned with Vlahovic's form at the moment, um, but he's not the same player that he was at Fiorentina. It's worth noting, though, that that's the only time in his career that he's ever been that good and that prolific as a goal scorer was mm. the first half of the season with the Viola under Vincenzo Italiano, who's come into to Fiorentina and you know, changed their style and made them more dynamic and more exciting despite a, a late season uh, struggle. So it's not a bad haul, six goals in 13 games. It's just not the, the 17 and 21 that he had for Fiorentina earlier in the season. The, the, the problem is that this is a Coppa Italia final and they need him at his best moment right now. And he's on a four game goal drought, which is matching his longest goal drought of the season in all competitions. He's done that twice now, both times with the Juventus. The last time was in March. You could also make the case that he's due to score, right? Because he hasn't gone more than four games without a goal at any point this season. Yeah, I agree with uh, Dre. You know, I think it's going to take a bit uh, longer before we can actually really judge, uh, you know, Vlaovic and Juve and how this is as a fit. I mean, I think it's easy to forget as well how difficult it is for signing to adapt to a new team midway through the season, especially one that had been built up around him in such a short space of time. Because when Italiano came in as Fiorentina coach, Fiorentina were basically doing everything they could to, to convince Vlaovic to not move on, to not push for a transfer. They managed to keep him, had a great first half of the season. And we've seen how difficult it's been for them in the, the after Vlahovic period, uh, you know, since the the winter transfer window, and despite the fact that you know he hit the ground running with a couple of of goals, notably the the great effort against Villarreal in the Champions League, it, it you know there were always going to be a few teething issues, I think, with this kind of transfer. Uh, and like I said, it's going to need that full preseason with his new teammates and, you know, Allegri really being able to work out what is the best system uh, in order for Juve to to get the best out of him uh, long term. JJ, you mentioned... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it's just, it's not a team full of playmakers either, right? You mentioned the team being sort of built around him at Fiorentina and and sort of catered uh, to learning how to play uh, with him. Um, One of the major issues that Juve have had this season is that with the exception of Paolo Dybala, who has been sometimes injured, who hasn't always been in the lineup, there aren't a lot of guys there who are creating a ton of chances for everybody else. You look at a team like Inter and Dumfries and Pedisic or or guys that on the wing, you know, through crosses, through dribbling, create a ton. Uh, You look at uh, their midfield with... uh, someone like a Barella uh, who can provide, you know, some playmaking as well. You think don't really have that. They have sort of a workman-like midfield given, you know, some of the absences they've had. I think um, Weston McKinney is a guy who can sometimes give you that, you know, in the final third, winning the ball back and giving it to other really talented players to score. Juventus lacked that with, with Rabiot and Zakaria and, you know, that bet in court goal. They don't really have a team that is going to surround Vlahovic with a ton of playmakers right now. JJ, you mentioned Giorgio Chiellini there, obviously 37 years old, uh, a staple of not just uh, Juventus football, but Italian football as well. Um, reports of Toyota Fabrizio Romano, maybe MLS might be an interest. Any any updates there? 
Uh, none that I know of personally, but I've I've seen the same reports as you. And to be honest, it it, w- it would make sense. I mean, I don't know where a potential landing spot would be. Uh, it sounds like Toronto are going to be very Italian infused uh, as of this summer. You know, when you've got like guys like Insigne going there, I think Chris Chito has been uh, lined up uh, for them as well. But uh, you know, I think Chiellini, you know, sort of having one last blast in MLS, I can understand him looking at that. If I'm being totally honest, I wouldn't understand as much the MLS sides looking at him, uh, given his age, uh, you know, especially given his recent injury history as well. I mean, I've, I feel like, I mean, obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing, but if Chiellini could have looked back as to how things would play out over like the last 12 months or so, I wonder if he might have actually thought about hanging up his boots after Italy's success in the Euros, because Italy uh, and sort of players like you uh, like Chiellini Bonucci as well, approaching that point uh, of his career as well. You know, they're guys who, you know, there's, it's going to be difficult for them to go out on much more of a high than that success with the Azurian. Obviously, uh, at international level, they're going out on a major failure, having f- failed to reach the, the World Cup. So for Chiellini, I can understand why he'd be looking at his options to get maybe one or two maximum seasons out of the rest of his career. But I don't understand the MLS clubs who'd be looking to bring him in on significant wages, uh, you know, and make him a really important part of their defense, especially given how injury prone he has become in the last couple of years. Yeah, Dre, what do you take? Even if you were to take a, a severe, massive pay cut, it's still not one that makes uh, a ton of sense, in my opinion, for MLS teams. And I don't want to ever doubt Giorgio Chiellini because he's an absolute champion. He's just quite literally a legend of Italian football. Um, and he's done it for so long. But he's gone from a guy who averaged 37 games a season to a guy who's now playing less than 25 per year. And that's in Serie A, where the travel is not the same, um, where the conditions are going to be a lot more amicable to him you think about mls three t's right travel temperature and turf you're going to be moving around a lot more than you would be uh in city uh the temperatures are going to vary drastically the way that they don't in in uh, in italy and and, um some of the plastic pitches you have to play on which could deal with some injuries especially for a veteran player add to that the fact that if he was a a goal scorer a super sub that you could bring in you know who's going to guarantee you goals that would make a little bit more sense center backs don't make the most terrific super subs and so i failed to see how how chiellini would make a ton of sense other than from a marketing perspective for any uh, major league soccer team to to make any sort of significant um, investment in them i'd like to see it just because i want to see talent in the league but i would be very surprised if it were to work out I mean, I guess one counter argument to that is perhaps, you know, how close he's been getting with Weston McKennie over the last couple of months. I mean, we saw in that documentary that they, you know, had sort of a bit of chit chat going on. And, you know, if Chiellini can actually communicate clearly uh, in in English and strongly, then there is a case to be made that a team, uh, I mean, you you guys would know MLS teams better than me, but maybe a team lacking in leadership who really needs somebody who's been there, done that pretty much every level uh, in in European football who could come in and perhaps benefit them over the course of like 18 months or so. But I think there are probably very, a very finite number of options in, uh, in MLS in terms of landing spots for that kind of profile. The travel would absolutely destroy him. I'm just going to tell you that right now. All right, let's move to Inter Milan right now. Let's discuss, uh, obviously, um, Inzaghi had a job to do after Antonio Conte left Inter Milan, and now Jonathan Johnson, Inter Milan face Juventus. Uh, first of all, is this it uh, for them? What do you make of, obviously, their fading chances of winning Serie A? Can they still hold on to that? Should they put all this focus on this game? Obviously, you can, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. How do you see Inter Milan as they face Juventus in this game? 
I mean, I think Interwall still feel like their title hopes in Serie A are alive. You know, I have if I had to to judge Milan and Inter's running uh, on the the remaining fixtures, I'd say that Milan's is is tougher, especially the game. Uh, you know, the the next round of matches, I think they'll probably determine the way that this title goes. Uh, but you know, it's not dead for for Inter at this moment in time. I mean, the the, the fate of their season is, uh, is is kind of semi in their own hands. If they win this game, obviously they pick up silverware, and if they win the remaining two, there's a decent chance uh you know that they may well end up closing the gap at the very last minute on milan you know all they can do is go out there try and win every game uh, and that will put the maximum amount of pressure on uh, on milan and obviously beating juventus here would would guarantee them uh, some silverware it's you know it, it's worked out much better uh, than I expected it to under Inzaghi. I really wasn't hot on, on Inter at the beginning of the season. They impressed me quite early on, went through that kind of blip, uh, you know, around winter and then really came on strong uh, and have emerged as, uh, you know, one of the better teams over the course of the entire campaign. So, uh, you know, kudos to Inzaghi and the rebuilding job that they've done there. Uh, I still don't know where this leaves Inter in terms of sort of long-term sustained success. I mean, if they can use the transfer market wisely and pick up, you know, really talented free agents like a Dybala, for example, if that does happen, you know, then I guess there is some hope, certainly in, t- in terms of domestic success. I mean, another positive was the way that they went out of the Champions League as well. You know, they they have shown that they're starting to learn a bit and adapt to being uh, in Europe. Could be a real boon for, for Calcio next season if Milan are able to do the same as well. Uh, but... You know, for me, I, I think a lot is still going to depend on the ownership model at Inter. You know, if there's going to be any more financial problems, if this squad is going to be gutted uh, every uh, every season. So, I mean, I think Inzaghi, you know, will have merited some silverware if he does end up picking up the the Coppa Italia here. But uh, you know, I I. I I still think that Milan are obviously slight favourites given that two point advantage that they have uh, in Serie A. So. I, th- I think, you know, this is probably the realistic silverware that they can target. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Yeah, and they do have a trophy already this season, right, which is the um, the, the Supercopa. Uh, it meant a little bit more because it was a Derby d'Italia um, edition of the Supercopa, and they won it in such dramatic fashion again with that um, 
stoppage time, extra time, Alexi Sanchez uh, game winner. But the Supercopa is not a major trophy, right? And it's not what, what Inter is setting out to win. They want to win. Italian Cups, they want to win Scudetti. Uh, and I, I agree with Jonathan. They're still very much in the in the hunt for the Scudetto. Um, but it's not just a two-point gap. It's a two-point gap and the tiebreaker, which effectively makes it a three-point gap with uh, with Milan. Milan's magic number is four. Milan pick up four, four points from the remaining two games, and Milan are champions. That said, the remaining two games are really tough. They're, they're playing Atalanta this weekend. Atalanta is still chasing a European spot. Uh, they've, they close out at Sassuolo. Sassuolo really won't likely have anything to play for in that match but if you look at the way that Sassuolo have played against the big teams in Serie A they almost take it as as a point of pride when they go up against Juve, Inter, Milan, Napoli they, they've gotten wins over most if not all of those teams this season uh, we'll have to see their level of motivation against the Milan team that are trying to win the Scudetto obviously advantage Rossoneri there um, but they're, they're still in it they, they it's not as if well we can play your subs in this Coppa Italia final so that you can have a chance maybe if Milan slips to take the Scudetto you basically roll the dice with your best players for the remaining three games they have this season and see if you can win as many trophies as possible. That said, I think Inzaghi's grade is a passing grade, right? Like if, if I'm judging Inzaghi's season and I'm comparing his inter to Conte's inter, it's probably like a B plus for, for Inzaghi. They were brilliant the first half of the year. I thought every bit as good, if not better than Conte's. In fact, they were on better pace uh, than, than Conte's inter through the first 19 rounds. The difference was last year, inter second half of the year were historically good. Inter picked up 50 points in just the back half of the season last year. That's a 100-point pace. That's you know historically uh, good for Serie A standards. So I, I didn't think they were going to be able to match that the second half of the year. I, I had questions about whether they were going to be able to keep the pace that they had through the first um, 19 rounds. And the answer is they haven't because of that little blip that JJ mentioned uh, in the winter. It still has been very, very good. It just It's not even been sort of top three in MLS. If you look at the, the, the table just since the midpoint of the campaign – Milan, Juve, and Napoli have all been better than Inter in terms of picking up points. And Inter have actually been closer to Verona, who are currently ninth in the table, than they have been to Milan, who are their sort of Scudetto rivals. So Inzaghi gets a passing grade. I think the team was constructed in such a way that he could sort of just step in and, and implement his, his style of football. At Lazio, he played a 3-5-2. Um, it's a bit of a, a more fluid, more dynamic team than it was under Conte, not quite as rigid, uh, more more proactive. I think uh, they're getting more from like the likes of Dumfries and Pedisic out wide. And, and what they've done is, instead of you know signing one guy, like Dzeko wasn't expected to come in and fill the volume of goals that Romelu Lukaku got them last season. It wasn't like for like swap in that sense. It was more goals by committee. And... Inter have goals this season from virtually every single field player on the squad. Even Brozovic has scored, I think, twice in all competitions. Um, so it, it's been a, a team performance. I think they've been more than the sum of their parts for not having a Lukaku, for not having a Cristiano, for not having a, a guy they can depend on to score, you know, 20 plus goals. I think Lautaro is as close to that as it gets. Um, so if they if they do finish second on the season, get to the Coppa Italia final or win the Coppa Italia final, win the Supercoppa, there's a lot of positives for Inzaghi's first season in Inter, and there's a lot there to build on. All right, so let's finish up with key matchups uh, as we conclude Coppa Italia, Inter Milan facing Juventus. Obviously, they met uh, earlier in April. It was a slim one nothing victory for Inter Milan with a Chinoglu penalty and the stoppage time in, in the first half as well. Uh, obviously, there was a 3-5-2 formation for Inter Milan and then you know that conventional statistic uh, Vlahovic in front of Dybala, Morata, Cuadrado. What do you expect? What key matchups can we see in this game? Will it be more of a golfist, Dre Cordero? Will we see a similar result maybe going into extra time? What do you think? Inter Milan, Juventus, key matchups. Yeah, in, in terms of like actual head-to-head matchups, players that'll 
sort of be in each other's space, um, I think the wide areas are, are where Inter do the most damage, um, again, with Perisic and Dumfries. And so that that means that Danilo and Alexandro, or whether it's Pellegrini that gets to start on the left for Juve, um, those wide uh, matchups are going to be, I think, where the game is won or lost um, for both teams. Uh, but But beyond just, you know, players going head to head in this match. I think there's these great storylines or points of comparison between players, right? Because um, Vlahovic is arguably the best young player in Serie A. Rafael Leal maybe has, has a shout. Um, so Vlahovic against Lautaro, right? The two, the two premier goal scorers for these two teams. Lautaro Martinez, despite all the critics, uh, despite being a bit of a streaky goal scorer, is going to close out the season having, you know, performed admirably 23 goals in all competitions, uh, 23 and 46 games, I think, in all competitions. Um, two of the best young defenders in Serie A are going to be featured in this cup final. Uh, Matthias De Ligt has become just an every game starter for Juve, has taken that spot mm. after some initial criticism. Um, and, and they need him because of, the likes of, you know, Chiellini on his way out, Bonucci getting up there in years. Um, and Bastoni, I think, is the sort of top young Italian center back. So you got Delict and Bastoni, uh, Vlahovic and Lautaro, um, Dybala's sort of last hurrah. Uh, it's a lot of really good storylines. And I look for Eden Dzeko as, as a guy who's probably going to start. They've been rotating who starts alongside Lautaro Martinez all season. But the fact that it's at the Stadio Olimpico, it's a bit of a homecoming uh, for Eden Dzeko, who spent so much time playing there for Roma, uh, means he probably starts alongside uh, Lautaro. I mean, I think as well when I'm really intrigued when I look at this as to who might come out on top in the midfield battle, because I mean, I know he's much maligned, um, Adrien Rabio, but he is a guy who on his day, uh, you know, is capable of changing the way that a team looks in terms can, of the midfield. Can you say that again? Can, can, you just, can you just say his name again? <laughs> Adrien Rabio. You got to get the 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 H sounding R. It's uh, I mean it's, it's a very it's a very French thing. It's I know. sexy, Jonathan Johnson. It's sexy, Adrien Rabiot. I mean, honestly, it helps if you're like a ten pack a day smoker, and then like you really get the the, the pronunciation going. But uh, yeah. no, I mean Rabio is a player who I was hugely disappointed with the way that his career ended up at PSG. But I know what he can give a team on his day, um, and it frustrates me to see that he's not been able to sort of translate that from what he did uh, at his best with PSG to to Juventus. I do think that he's a player still worth persevering with and it's th this kind of match you know if he can you know deliver uh and and you know help to to really stabilize that midfield to really dominate it up against a very challenging uh into milan uh unit you know you've got guys like barea uh you know but you, you've got brozovic as well you know guys that i don't think that he really has to feel inferior to um but i do think that time is now pressing for him to really show what he can do and what everybody knows that he can do because he's a player who's been linked with so many clubs before he moved on uh, you know, and I think, you know, that midfield battle could be crucial to, to deciding this match. All righty. Well, let's finish up with predictions. Give me some quick predictions here. Obviously, um, when you call a game and you're a play-by-play -play guy, it's uh, almost uh, like you're walking on fire, Drake, whatever. Yeah. So I, I understand, you know, your hesitancy. But what do you think? I'm glad you said it. I was going to say, but I'll break the rule. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and make the prediction anyway. Um, I, I think Inter are, are the better side. I think line, line for line with the exception of their center forward, uh, they're better. I think they have the best back three um, in Serie A. Um, uh, Tefrey, Skriniar, and Bastoni, who I mentioned before. Um, those guys get involved in the attack as well. They're not just defenders. Um, the wide areas are terrific. The best midfield trio, arguably, in Serie A as well. And so they're the better team. They should be favorites. Uh, my prediction is uh, Inter 1-0. All right, JJ? 
Yeah, I mean, I'd have to say that I agree with that. Uh, you know, I think that Inter are the more solid of the two teams. And I, like I said, I think that Juve is still a work in progress because, uh, you know, I think that uh, Allegri is going to need to change so much more if he's going to get something out of this uh, team long term. But, you know, I think as well, Juve will have that motivational factor uh, of, uh, you know, knowing that this is their only opportunity to potentially salvage something from the season. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty tight. I can see this finishing level uh, after 90 minutes. Yeah, I think I'm going for an Inter win as well. And I think as well, it's going to be tight and go to extra time. But we will see Coppa Italia final on Wednesday. Coverage starts at 2 p.m. Eastern. CBS Sports Network, Paramount Plus, Drake Correra, Matteo Bonetti. I'm sure Poppy Miller, Mike Grella, Marco Messina, they're all going to be there. Should be fantastic. Drake Correra, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Final word, final thoughts. Thanks again. Yeah, this is an absolute blast. Uh, This late stage in the season where, you know, Italy has six, seven really good teams. And every single weekend, we're doing these incredible games with a ton of goals. We just did uh, Verona-Milan last week on Sunday. It was terrific. Uh, Monday, Fiorentina-Roma was a ton of fun. Now I get to call the Coppa Italia Wednesday. I'm having way too much fun. And, and somehow, they decided to pay me for this. So. I know. Somebody better tell uh, HR because this is just not even fair. Jonathan Johnson, thanks very much, buddy. Guys, thanks a lot for having me on. Always a pleasure. Great to finally connect with uh, Dre on this after after a long a long time at working together uh, over over multiple networks. So this has been uh, been really fun. I love it. From New York City to Miami to Paris, you can't get better than that. Say it again, John. Say it again, Jonathan Johnson. Adrien Rabio. Gone. Gone. Adrien Rabio. I love it. I'm gonna WhatsApp you. So many things right now. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Coppa Italia on Wednesday. Paramount Plus, Drake Cordero. You can follow him at Drake Cordero on Twitter, of course. John underscore Le Gossip, LMH Garay, CBS Sports, CBS Sports app, Kegolasso Pod on Twitter. We got plenty more to come from Kegolasso, including the North London Derby, as well as Weekend Preview and so much more. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next time. Till then.